Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability. We also talk truth here, and I'm a survivor of incest and rape, domestic violence, death threats, um, and willful ignorance from a culture uh, for over a decade, decade or two in Walla Walla. Uh, my family survived a lot of violence, and um, I survived foster care and emancipation, and it informs my perspective on things, so I talk about it here. Um, here at the house on Valencia Street, we're not going to be ashamed to talk about the fact that psychics ex exist, uh, that there are ghosts, uh, that there are hauntings, uh, precognition, all types of things. Um, and I really am grateful and appreciate people who are predecessors like Art Bell or George Norrie, Coast to Coast AM, or uh, Jeff Mara, who is recent to my experience. And I really appreciate the Jeff Mara podcast uh, talking about uh, near-death experiences or NDEs because that informs and infuses my perspective on the afterlife and also the spirit life, much like the book um, Hello from Heaven, which is a compilation from the Guggenheims, the Guggenheims of over a thousand different people's experiences talking about uh, near-death experiences with people they loved after they passed. So in this house, it's okay to talk about spiritual experiences. It's okay to believe in things that may not be commonly agreed to, even if people make all kinds of money fictitiously portraying it in Stranger Things or in all kinds of sci-fi situations where psychic ability in sci-fi is okay, but psychic ability day-to-day, -day, not so much, right? So I really appreciate having a place where we can talk about it, even if I have to create it myself. Uh, so let's see, what else are we going to get into? Oh, there's all kinds of other stuff to talk about here. Uh, my neighbors, there was a murder and suicide. Uh, there was animal neglect. Uh, there was, uh, which is one reason I became a lifelong volunteer at the Humane Society. Um, let's see what else. Um, these are things that came from Walla Walla and informed and infused the environment that created or at least helped us keep survive, keep surviving. Um, one reason I made this podcast is I wanted a place for people who've lived through incest and rape, as I have, and my family have. One pedophile got eight of us, and there was multiple pedophiles in my family. Um, I want a place where people can talk about it like normal. Well, not normal, but like uh, normalize it so that people who are the victims of the crimes don't have to you know, be the person who is exploited or not listened to or ignored their needs, right? So... Um, that's one of the things that happens here. And also, the house on Valencia Street is a haunted house that I grew up in, and um, in Walla Walla, from being a kid to early puberty. And there was a lot of stuff happening in the house that was not explained by science. To quote uh, Carl Sagan in Contact, there are things that I've experienced, there are things that I've seen that science cannot explain, and that is why I believe in God. Quote. That's Carl Sagan's writing. Um, okay, let's see what else. Um, <laughs> yeah, here at the House on Valencia Street, it's not going to be somebody who hasn't been raped telling me how to talk about being raped. I get to experience it and talk about it from my perspective. Um, let's see. 
This is one case study, one person's perspective. Uh, if things with mental health are kicking up for you, I recommend you get to a board certified licensed therapist. That is not me. Um, I'm just sharing my experience, hopefully to infuse or to create a place where people can talk about it just by being, you know, and also just by being an example, say that you can survive. I survived. My mama survived. It took nearly everything we had to survive, but we did it, you know, and it gives you a perspective where appearance, money, objects may not be the main thing, right? Maybe there's other things to talk about. So let's see. Um, and I'm glad you're here because I talk about my ancestors a lot and uh, <laughs> as a Buddhist might, you know, or as many different religions might, what do they call that? Ancestor veneration, ancestor veneration. How about that? Okay, let's see. Uh, I've got a website. How about that? It's called uh, anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H, um, which is a kick to my mama because that was our nickname, MoMA. And it was also, it's, I haven't been there, but I want to go there, uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. I want to go there and just hang out for long periods of time. So I just look at stuff. That's one of my goals, uh, one, of the, one of my dreams. So um, at that website, anchor.fm, you can take a look at my notes. You can take a look at my podcast and you can donate, which I, I love that. Uh, I encourage you to do that. I appreciate you doing that for me. Uh, I like knowing that my ancestors and me are seen and heard, and that would be one way to do that. Okay, let's see what else. <laughs> I think that's where we're going. I think that's about what we got. Okay, are we ready to go in? Is there anything else I need to inform let's see okay uh, before we dive into today um i guess <laughs> yeah i think we're ready to burn in upon entry here the asteroid into the stratosphere that is the house on valencia street okay um okay here we go i'm rolling back i'm kicking back yeah when i i should probably do like they do in the, the movie wayne's world when they uh, are doing going between their reality scenes and their fantasy scenes in wayne's world they do this diddly doo diddly doo and then they wave their little fingers in front of them and then there's like a wave in the, in the video and then they're in a different scene yeah um kim bassinger uh for example in wayne's world by example um so, uh, well, I'm going back in time, kind of kicking back to Walla Walla. There's this image that was striking to me this week because I was feeling guilt and remorse and all these complicated feelings because I was doing something that we used to do in Walla Walla. And um, it didn't really have a name. I don't know. I didn't really realize what was going on. Maybe no more so till now. So. Um, one thing that used to be more prevalent back then we're talking early 80s to late 80s and walla walla was newspaper the newspaper was a big part of our reality at least in my house it was and it was just the local what was it the walla walla union bulletin at the time i think the newspaper might be still be the walla walla union bulletin we definitely get that to cover local news and Honestly, these days, I don't have a local newspaper that I'm subscribing to, which you're supposed to support local journalism, right? And um, I haven't really invested that much in the local journalism, partially because uh, where I'm at now, um, the local newspapers don't discuss uh, incest, rape, and domestic violence very often. Although if I find out anything, it's going to be in the local newspaper. For example, that's how I found the reporting of the... Um, local newspaper where I'm at in Oregon helped me understand that a local ward of the Mormon church, which is a big church locally, this particular ward, 
um, in the Mormon church, a ward is a section, kind of like a, a, a county. So they have different wards that they section off with their religion. And in this particular ward in this valley here in Oregon, they're being sued. They have a huge civil lawsuit because the yet again, as Dan Savage points out, if you listen to the Dan Savage podcast or the Dan Savage, um, Savage Love. So as Dan Savage says on his podcast uh, and his journal, his uh, uh, column, he has a running series on youth ministers and Christian churches. And why does he have a running series on youth ministers and Christian churches? Because overwhelmingly, the majority of these serial pedophiles come from youth ministers from Christian churches. That's why he, he has so much content because it's such a consistent pattern where yet again, a Christian faith is presenting with a particular race demographic, a particular gender demographic, a particular socioeconomic demographic, targeting a group of people, a swath of people, and yet again, molesting them and raping them and harming them as children, you know, and it's part of their culture. And it's such a pervasive part of their culture that legally, they're not showing a united front of these are the, all the people that have had to confront these people who are irreparably harmed from this shit. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, Dan Savage likes to talk about the fact that he acknowledges what is and that you have to be a very mindful person if you have children in that church and understand that there's all kinds of people that are going to gravitate to that. If statistically one in six and one in seven people in the United States are estimated to have empathy disorder, and they can treat people like objects and, and such, you know, it's mindful to be aware of these are the areas that they target. And it's so consistent that there's hundreds of lawsuits throughout the United States of people doing civil lawsuits against churches because they can't be taxed. And that should be changed. I think that should be changed. I think those churches need to be taxed because, I mean, even the Mormon church, they've got like over $100 billion, $100 billion. Okay. That's more than the Catholic church that we can track. Okay. Anyway. I got some feelings on that. But anyway, uh, so your local journalism is going to be the place to go to get that information. And it's really hard to get it. The other place you're going to get the truth about a local place is to donate down, donate or to pay attention to the center against rape, the places of rape and domestic violence where they help people who are being harmed, uh, where they provide shelter or options. Those are the places you're going to find the truth about that, you know, um, mostly from volunteering or service work. But anyway. Uh, there are some of that. Um, that's why I do this podcast <laughs> because we got to talk about this stuff and we got to figure out ways to survive and heal and protect our, our kids and us and, you know, people who are targeted. Okay. This is going to be a deep dive today uh, because um, I was bringing up a memory from Walla Walla. One of the consistent things that we had were newspapers around the house. Uh, Mom liked to do crossword puzzles. She's highly intelligent, and word puzzles were something very interesting to her. Um, she loved to play with words, and I'm someone who would go to the spelling bees because whatever I was, I could spell words, and I have a fetish for it. I also have a fetish for grammar, and sometimes I'm the, the weirdo reading your stuff, reading the article where there's a grammar error or there's a spelling error, and I want to say, did you know? And I'm like, no, you, they don't need to know that. And that might be classist of me because maybe I had the money to get an education uh, in grammar or whatever, and 
you know, it's, I'm not the word enforcer, right? That's not my job. <laughs> well, actually it has been, I've been a technical writer for a couple of years in that location. That was my job title. That's a different context, right? So, uh, it's hard because to me, it's like puzzles. It's like, I just want to study them and put them into place like a Rubik's cube. Right. So, um, and even with all that, I make plenty of errors myself, you know, cause statistically we all have a, you know, I try to give anything about a 5% error rate. Right. So, There was a couple, there were a couple rags that we would read. And when I say rags, I'm talking about gossip rags um, that you could buy at the grocery store that were cheap. Sometimes it'd be 69 cents versus the 99 cents. They were affordable, right? And the smell is the thing that I remember the most in that the ink on the paper had this really burnt kind of chemical smell from the printing presses before they produced them and sold them. And my mama used to buy the National Enquirer. My mama used to buy Globe. My mama used to buy some of these uh, gossip rags. I can remember I learned a lot of things from those rags. Um, and the National Enquirer, by example, as a publication, Donald Trump is real tight with the people of the National Enquirer, which is why there's a forced narrative in the National Enquirer about Trump a lot of times. The people that wrote that would side with Trump overwhelmingly. So um, I can remember being a kid and not knowing about sex and not knowing about dating or marriage and learning about it from these magazines like Playboy, like, you know, these slick, expensive things that gave me images of what it might be like to have that money, what it might be like to be dating people and being jet set and uh, attractive, um, children, um, all, all these things I learned in Walla Walla from these rags, some of them, you know what I mean? And actually of the four kids that my mama had with my dad, um, cause mom had four kids, Three of us ended up doing the stereotypical thing of being in a heterosexual couple, having 2.3 kids, um, statistically having houses or multiple houses or mansions. And they're people that I don't trust and don't want to be around because they're just mean. And they, they do, they just, and this is one of the things where you go, I'm trying to find people that have plenty of money that made it in a way that's ethical and um, are accountable for themselves and apologize when they're wrong and mean it. And don't just use their, socioeconomic class to get away with things that we wouldn't normally get away with. Right. So it was hard trying to figure out what that was going to be in Walla Walla growing up, but I can just remember my fingers slicking over that pressed kind of shiny press on the front page to get into the black and white writing that was inside the national Enquirer, And it was always salacious with bright colors and these really, uh, embarrassing photos on the cover of these people that was just shocking. And, and you're like, oh, you know, and um, there's many, many podcasts and I'll even refer to, you must remember this podcast. I have a lot of respect for that work. Um, tabloid journalism has been around as long as stars and, you know, Hollywood has been around, which is interesting. I feel a little bit guilty covering the topic I'm talking about today, but it's a bit salacious and I've been obsessing and kind of processing it, trying to figure out why I'm so fixated on this. Cause it seems to be taking up too much brain space for people that I don't really connect to and that I don't really, I admire somewhat from a distance, but, um, anyway, I think I'll get started from a perspective on this next topic and this couple that I'm shifting to. 
thinking about the days in Walla Walla where I was learning about what it was to be famous and realizing that because of our socioeconomic class, just like McDonald's food or, or, or you know, Burger King, we're getting fed a nutritionally somewhat devoid piece of uh, content for a reduced price so that we can enable and give a lot of money to a corporation that's making millions. You know, uh, the National Enquirer serves up that nice, sweet tasting, salty tasting, low content, uh, low, you know, you're not going to be reading Faust. Well, you're going to be reading Faustian tales, but you're not going to be reading Goth's Faust from that, right? So, okay, here we go. I want to give you the perspective from this topic from uh, someone who is the uh, one of the servants in this story. So I'll start this. This is from an article in Gawker, and I can't speak to the efficacy of Gawker regarding whether or not they've been sued or not. They probably have at some points, especially considering the topics that they cover. But this is going to be talking from the dog walker's perspective. The person who's taking care of the animal. Yeah, that's the interesting perspective for me. So here we go. The article's called Me and Gordon Sudeikis Wild, the famous couple's former dog. Okay, I'm going to start that one more time because it's kind of a complicated title. The famous couple's former dogs, former dog walker, breaks her silence. <laughs> that's the title. Here we go. So. This is from the introduction of this dog walker who has remained anonymous in this article uh, talking about Jason Sudeikis. Okay. And this is their first meeting. So she's showed up. She doesn't know who this is going to be because she works for an agency that prides themselves on privacy. So she doesn't know who she's going to be walking the dog for. And then she knocks on the door and she meets Jason Sudeikis and she doesn't know that that's, uh, she was like, Oh my God. So this is from her perspective after their first meeting. Okay. Quote, Hey, so next time I'll leave, I'll leave the door unlocked. You can just let yourself in because, you know, I'm busy in meetings, big Hollywood meetings. He gestured at me clumsily and added, you know how it is. That's from her introduction to Jason Sudeikis. Okay. Now, after this point, she talks about the big scare or the big, you know, the divorce, the affair, whatever it was. So she didn't know what was going on. But she's explaining how her service of months and months of walking this dog and really enjoying this dog, how it came to an end. This is her description. I never saw Jason Sudeikis again. And that's after the initial meeting that I just described. So she walked this dog for several months and never saw Jason Sudeikis again. Okay. Even though she came to his house every other day and walked the dog for months. Okay. Quote, I never saw Jason Sudeikis again. But Gordon, the dog, became my friend. We walked every other day for months, and these were my happiest mornings during COVID's most depressing, drawn-out flop era. And then I got the text. No more garden walks. So she was cast into a confusion, and then here we go, further on. She found out about this whole scandal, and this is the end of it. That explained Jason Sudeikis' air of indifference, even resentment, towards the big, sweet baby that I knew I hadn't imagined. While big Hollywood meetings raged on, Gordon was at best an afterthought, and maybe even a reminder that a fake dandy was spinning his fiancé's watermelon sugar. <laughs> Quote, that's from the gawker talking to the anonymous dog walker of Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde. 
Um, and if you you old like me, you might know might know what, what watermelon sugar is. Okay, watermelon sugar is a Harry Styles song, and Olivia Wilde left Jason Sudeikis for Harry Styles, uh, a man ten years her junior. Uh, Harry Styles twenty eight, uh, Olivia Wilde is thirty eight, uh, and Jason Sudeikis is forty eight. Okay, now in the coverage of this, <clears throat> there's a bunch of shit going on here. Okay. <laughs> Number one, you fucked with a dog. You be, uh, I can say that better. You messing with a dog? You gonna throw away like a dog, like an object? You gonna treat like a dog, like it's an afterthought? Well, screw you, buddy. You're gonna get me pissed off if that's the case. That's, and so and I, I'm really triggered by this situation where I'm like going, okay, Olivia Wilde. I'm gonna be quoting from a couple other. Let me go ahead and do the business here. The Daily Mail has had explosive testimony and has gotten to sources nobody could get to. Okay, now I'm going to pause. The Daily Mail is an English publication. I'm going to be quoting from that source, but I also want to remind you that Prince Harry and Elton John, who, and I got to tell you, Prince Harry befriending and becoming close to in a friendship with Elton John has touched my heart because we've seen what Prince Charles has done to, to Harry. And I can't confirm or deny the parentage of Harry or William. I can just say Prince William looks a lot like um, <clears throat> Charles, and I could just say Prince Harry looks a lot like the aviator that she acknowledged she had an affair with, and he acknowledged he had an affair with her around the time that Harry was conceived. Um, and I have a sense that I haven't checked the DNA; it's not my business. But I have a sense that from Charles's actions towards Harry, I sense that he suspects it too, or that he suspects that maybe he's not the father. That being the case, you shouldn't treat anybody different just because that they are physically related to you or not. And if you're going to do that, then you a shitty person. That's my opinion on that. So anyway, I've got all kinds of opinions, apparently. So the reason I'm mentioning this is that I'm quoting a source that apparently is being sued by Prince Harry and Elton John, and I'm on their side on this one, for bugging them, uh, bugging, uh, for putting mechanical hearing devices in their homes. Okay. And then King Charles now used to be Prince Charles. He actually hired one of the higher ups from the Daily Mail to be one of his correspondence guys. Okay. So it looks like King Charles is espousing, condoning and employing people from the Daily Mail who has been eviscerating and attacking and pointing sharp angled targets at or, or uh, arrows at Meghan and Prince Harry. Right. Which is, uh, uh, I, I, I'm so emotionally incensed by that whole thing. Anyway, that being the case, I'm going to be quoting Daily Mail. So I might be a little bit of a hypocrite here talking to an exploitative organization that has violated civil liberties of some people here potentially. So that being the case, they're the ones who brought the scoop on this one. Um, let's see. We've got two articles. Uh, quote. Let's see. Now Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis' dog walker speaks out. The girl who spent the happiest mornings during COVID's depression era with Gordon pens hilarious anonymous essay. Quote. That's one of the reasons that's from the Daily Mail, quoting the Gawker article. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the dog walker. The anonymous dog walker is a good writer and she's funny. Okay. <laughs> that's one reason why I quoted her. Okay. But that, uh, there's a couple other articles here from the Daily Mail, and all you got to do is do a Google search. There's 100 people buzzing about this. I'm talking about it because, A, the little girl that I was in Walla Walla, flipping my fingers through the National Enquirer, learning about all the salacious people who had access to jets and money and apparently animals and dogs that they used like props and threw away when they was done. Okay. 
So I've got some feelings on this and some observations to make about this context because uh, there's a consistent pattern of something that Jason Sudeikis did with three different workers that is a pattern that I want to talk about. Okay, first off, ain't nobody giving shit to Jason Sudeikis for being 10 years older than Olivia Wilde. But everybody's giving shit to Olivia Wilde for being 10 years older than Harry Styles. That's gender, that's gender bias right there. Okay. Number two, uh, well, God, there's a hundred things I could list off here. Um, from what it sounds like, Olivia Wilde ended the relationship with Jason Sudeikis in a pretty shitty way. And um, kind of in a vapid manner and in a manner that seems like there wasn't a lot of communication going on. I can't give props to Olivia Wilde for the way she chose to end that or the way she treated her children or the way she treated her two, not one, but two dogs that she just got rid of when it was inconvenient. Okay. So that's the first thing about that. The next thing is, gosh, you know, I, I guess I'm a little bit envious of these people because they can get health insurance and they can choose, you know, the, you know, they can buy new clothes. They can do things that I don't have access to right now, you know, and I maybe have some little envy about that. So I'll acknowledge that that might be some of my agenda. Although I'm very curious about how this ended. But also because there's so much diametrically opposed fodder going on that you can't, you, you know, you can't really see straight, but it's these examples of empathy disordered behavior. And I talk a lot about empathy disordered behavior on here because when you know what it is before it hits you, you can see it headed off at the, the past because context, they'll do all kinds of things that might normally look at a one dimensional look like uh, an appearance of empathy. But if you look at it contextually and listen to people there, it ain't. It totally ain't. And it's totally one dimensional, right? People who are hollow inside have to craft appearances so that they can be see. That's all that their appearances are really important to them, right? So some of the points that I want to bring up in this are, um, gee, I can't say that it's necessarily the best integrity. Although if Rick Springfield had been in a movie that I was directing, when I was younger, and that's my one of my kicks too. So, okay, yeah, I'm old, you know, go, go figure. But but he's a good talented. He's I mean that guy won a lot, a lot of Emmys, and he had a lot of number one bestsellers. Let's just say it that way. But if I was directing a movie and Rick Springfield said to me, "Hey, baby, <laughs> I want to write some music about you, and I want you to be my honey. Please come on down." I, I don't know if I would have been. I mean, granted, that's a pretty <laughs> funky way to you know, seduce somebody. I, I can't, I can't say that my, my technique was all that great, but that being the case, um, I might've been tempted. I mean, come on, the char the charisma, uh, the adulation, that type of thing. Um, come on. That's, that's nice. Although, um, there's some integrity issues with her behavior. Now, the thing that I'm really pissed off and the way, the thing I want to kind of glare or grinds my gears on is how the press and media is treating Jason Sudeikis. Because I'm going to mention about three events that have been described here. First things first, uh, the first uh, thing that I saw regarding this was when Olivia Wilde was doing a presentation as a director of her movie, Don't Worry, Don't Worry, Darling, Don't Worry, Darling. Um, she was served papers regarding custody at this huge event where she was going to be like, this is my movie. This is my work. Jason Sudeikis had a process server interrupt this, this big, huge event that was live to process serve her on stage where a hundred cameras were focused on her. Okay. Then, okay. So 
one, this is an example of Jason Sudeikis paying someone who is having to do physical labor for a job who is female and has to do physical labor for a job of process serving. Okay, so this is the first example, someone who's in a socioeconomic class and is a particular gender, gender class, socioeconomic class, Jason Sudeikis targeted that person, told them to, okay, you can't tell me that he didn't know that symbolically when she was announcing her work, that he paid a person to interrupt that event and hand her custody papers. And you, you're telling me that he didn't know what was going on? I call bullshit, okay? I'm called fucking bullshit on that. He posted this big flowery response that sounded a little too scripted and a little too prepared, okay? Like, oh, I didn't even know what was going on. Bull fucking shit, okay? You paid someone to go pro process serve this person who was a woman who had to do physical labor for her job. That's the first event right there. Classism, right? Okay. And then when he did this pointed thing in front of everybody, because with narcissistic people, appearances are everything. Okay. So he'd pay somebody to do that. And then he does a 180. And what he does is he pays a poor person or a person that has physical labor for a job who's a woman. She does what he asked. She does the task that he hired her to do. And then he eviscerates her character publicly. After this occurrence, where this huge thing happened with her announcement and everything like that, he totally eviscerated and attacked the walker, or not the walker, the process server, a walker of a different sort. Okay, so that's the first example. Second example, big fucking breakup. There's a lot of he said, she said, everyone's attacking Olivia Wilde, right? Okay. Well, gendered bias, right? And she's in control. She's a director. And she has a financially successful, lucrative movie that I, I probably won't see it. But, you know, uh, it's a, got an interesting concept, right? Um, virtual reality type of a thing. Um, that being the case, the second issue, okay, Daily Mail, who I'm going to be quoting extensively because they're the ones blew this shit wide open. Daily Mail interviews a nanny and keeps her anonymous, okay? She's got the damn goods. She's got the text. She's got the text between all three of them. Why? This nanny was with him for three years. Three years. This was a nanny who had been a nanny professionally for 20 years, okay? Now she watches these children for three years. She spends most of her time uh, with Jason Sudeikis, not so much Olivia Wilde. She describes that who took care of the dogs? The dog Gordon, the nanny took care of the dog, the dog walker took care of the dog, but these animals were afterthoughts to these people. Okay, that's at least two workers who have publicly acknowledged that they didn't treat their animals very well. And quite frankly, kids are important. But how you treat your animals is a huge empathy display. Psychologically, it's a huge bit of information about your empathy. This example can be a situation where you can evaluate this and go, how do they treat their animals? Okay. Psychologically, when you study serial killers and serial rapists, they end up, one of their first signs um, in the triage, there's a psychological profile that's really common. There's three warning signs and indicators of empathy disordered people. One of them is animal torture. Okay, one of them is animal indifference and animal torture. Another uh, is going to be, let's see, they do about three or four things. They do animal torture, arson, and sexual deviancy. Or There's about three things that indicate you're dealing with someone who's got major empathy displays, who's compulsive. And um, I might cover that in the next episode or something like that. Um, it's been discussed on My Favorite Murder. It's been discussed on a couple of true crime, true crime documentaries. Uh, it's a psychological profile that people who capture or arrest predators use to identify their psychological profile. 
So how they treat animals is a big one. And it's important to me, right? Because, you know, that type of thing. So uh, here comes the nanny. The nanny's saying, um, yeah, he treated the animals like Jason wasn't into animals. Okay, pause. People who don't like animals, I don't trust them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if they've had tra traumatic behavior, that type of thing, but if they willfully don't trust animals, as a psychic, the animals is usually the way I get in. They, they, the animals talk to me. Not all the time, but usually I can connect up to the animal and then I get a connection into them and then I can start reading them, right? Um, so now if you've read the articles on the Daily Mail, go ahead and check it out if you'd like to. Um, she's anonymous as well, but she's given text. She's got the whole thing. And again, uh, I've just read to you that the dog walker showed you how Jason Sudeikis ends relationships. He sends a text that says, we're not going to do that anymore. And he's done. That's it. He feels he can do that to a person he's had a professional relationship with. He can just say, I don't even want to be bothered with looking or talking to you. You can come in the back dock, locked, unlocked door and do the dog. That's fine. I'd walk the dog. That's how he treats human beings. And that's how he treats animals. So Jason Sudeikis has some things to answer for. Okay. Now I'm going to throw this out there. Jason Sudeikis, as an actor on Saturday Night Live, was in a long-running skit with Kirsten Wig called Two A-Holes. Two A-Holes. Two A-Holes in a live nativity scene. Two A-Holes uh, buying a Christmas tree. And they had this series at least half a dozen times. Okay, Jason Sudeikis was the male of the couple who was the A-Hole. Okay. He plays an asshole. He plays, as they called a-hole on there, he plays an asshole with convincing acumen. It sounds like this guy, the way he played an asshole, he also played the devil on there. He played the devil repeatedly. There's reasons this guy can play these parts from the inside, okay? So, second case I'll offer is we've got the dog walker who's saying, this person treated me like I was an object or a vending machine, Jason Sudeikis. Then we go to the, uh, we go to the nanny. Now, she shares factual truth. Both these people are sharing a version of truth, and they've got texts to back it up. They've got hiring agencies to back them up, okay? So then the, 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 the nanny says, I took care of his kids for three years. I stayed with them all the way through. Uh, he did inappropriate behavior. He quotes Olivia Wilde as saying, I was unsafe around him. I didn't feel, I, saying, you're scaring me, Jason, back up. I'm scared of you. The nanny says, I'm scared of you, Jason, back up. Jason fires a nanny in a drunken rage and says, get the hell out tonight after three years of taking care of her kid, their kids. Why? Because she exchanged a text with Olivia Wilde. Suddenly she, he uses a justification to fire the nanny that she's texting the mother of the children so they can coordinate. Okay. That's how Jason Sudeikis ends relationships. Okay. We got a working woman who's a female who's as a process server. He took completely eviscerated and attacked someone. And the only person who would have benefited from that is Jason Sudeikis, that action. Then he eviscerates the person who did it, says he was, she was incompetent. The nanny, he fires her like that and just says, get the fuck out after, after Olivia Wilde leaves him. Okay. This is obviously passive aggressive control stuff. I wasn't there, but he does it brutally uh, like with a knife and it's done. There's no going back. And he's not a, he, he's not treating her like a human being at all after that. She's just an artifice. She's just a codependent enabler in this context, given the description, right? Okay. So that's the nanny. She's a woman who's a working woman. She's got 20 years experience as that a nanny. And she spent three years in that house. And suddenly now she's not to be trusted. That sounds like a bunch of bullshit, doesn't it? Okay. And I'll pause. This is also conveying empathy disordered. Uh, you're with me or you're against me. One dimensional uh, black void people do this shit. Okay. 
And then let's see, there was a third person he's eviscerating on top of, let's see, the nanny, the dog walker, and the, yeah, the process server. All three of these were women. All three of these were working women. Jason Sudeikis treated all of them like shit. Okay. And Jason Sudeikis publicly eviscerated their character and took zero responsibility every damn time. Okay. And also for Olivia Wilde to leave that way, people do all kinds of things. Okay. You could talk to her about her character all day long. I mean, it's heartbreaking to hear how she's dealing with the children. It's heartbreaking to hear how Jason Sudeikis is dealing with the children and the workers that support their kids, that compensate for the fact that they aren't present managing their kids or managing the dog. These are artifices and props. I mean, kind of when I'm listening to these different descriptions of how the kids and the dogs are being treated, it's like Joan Crawford. It's like a lot of these famous people that use these people as props and don't use them as, treat them as respect, okay? So... That's a lot to just say, okay, <clears throat> Livia Wilde, uh, uh, you've got some issues there. That being the case, Jason Sudeikis has repeatedly used poor or employed women of a working class in three different situations in a way that only he benefited from that were public displays of uh, shaming his ex. And then he eviscerated their character repeatedly and said, oh, they were all incompetent. I didn't mean any of it. So... I think um, he's a big fat ass ass. I mean, he's not being that. Three different workers are going to say that and they're all women. They're all working class women that you've hired to do your work and suddenly for three years is good enough. Okay. Anyway, it's triggering a lot of emotions that may or may not be reasonable. And um, I, I recommend you go take a look at it yourself. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and round this out by saying I appreciate your patience. Although there's so much example of empathy disorder behavior here at indicators. Um, it's fascinating to me, right? Especially as a little girl from Walla Walla wearing the, you know, reading the National Enquirer like my mom used to do and doing the crosswords down again because she liked to do that as well. So thank you for coming to the house on Valencia Street today where I'm processing some feelings apparently about some famous people that, that I may be offering observations that may or may not be appropriate. And I, I'm quoting these sources and I'm also processing some emotion. I might be projecting, transferring. Okay. Figure it out for yourself perhaps. But uh, I appreciate you coming to the house on Valencia Street. Um, you ain't alone. You ain't never going to be alone. And sometimes it's whether you like it or not. Yeah. So, um, I'm sending prayers to the kids and the dogs today. And I got a link for donating to the Humane Society in my notes. Okay.